Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some of the recent guests who appeared on JM in the AM. We start this week with Rabbi Moshe Krupka, Executive Vice President of the Torah College and University System, a recent guest on JM in the AM. Here he is on JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. Tuesday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM, where we've spent some time over the last few weeks talking about uh, Turo College, Lander College, all of the different uh, schools and their incredible um, uh, system, their educational system, medical health care, and so much more. Uh, Turo is a national leader, and um, it has been amazing to watch how they've become such a leader in the field of uh, education, not just for our community, but... Uh, in this country and worldwide. And with us live via telephone is the Executive Vice President at the Turo College and University System, Rabbi Moshe Krupka, who's a wonderful friend and is joining us live via telephone. Rabbi Krupka, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Malcolm. Great to be here. Appreciate that very much. Uh, this has been a, a very challenging year. That's right. We're no longer talking about months. We're talking about year when it comes to the COVID experience, especially in the world of education. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about how our, uh, how our elementary schools and high schools have been really dealing with the situation relatively well, especially in the Yeshiva League in our community, as I like to call it. What could you tell us about the college experience? What has COVID done to change the college experience for your students? Well, the fact that we've had to be socially distant, the fact that uh, uh, many of our campuses were closed the last March, April, May, even into June, um, made it very difficult for many of our programs, especially those programs in the, in the uh, health and medical education fields, where you have in-person labs that uh, require uh, close contact with others. It's hard to teach physical therapy uh, <laughs> remotely. Right. Um, and it has challenged us uh, as a as an academic community to be able to uh, step up and find new modalities to be more regimented in how we deliver the education, so that we can keep within the COVID uh, uh, guidelines and restrictions, but yet still deliver a superior education. And you know, at the at the end of the day, it, it's data that that really you know can prove your point. You know, my uh, great. But uh, you, you, you have to ask the, the end users, the students, the faculty, you know, were we able to, you know, step up and meet the challenge? And uh, we were just so gratified because uh, certainly in the spring semester and then again now in the fall semester, over the summer, the, the student surveys that we've conducted, which are anonymous, uh, people can really speak their mind, uh, have been overwhelmingly positive, uh, where they felt that the uh, the courses that they've taken have been meaningful. They've gained from the experience. They, uh, the faculty, you know, they are, you know, they're heroes here. Mm. They've stepped up and uh, they've had to reimagine how they give over a curriculum and how they teach a course uh, to be able to, to do so effectively, given all the challenges that COVID has presented. Isn't it interesting, and those who uh, follow the news of the day will know what I mean, isn't it interesting how we see large groups of teachers and instructors who are fighting to stay out of the classroom, um, you know, uh, not to get into their negotiations, but that is the position in some cities that they are taking, 
And then you see others, especially in our community, thank God, who are anxiously trying to figure out how they can get back into the classroom. And if not, then they're going to you know, pivot, as you indicated, and uh, do the best they can through remote learning. It has a lot to do with attitude. And when you say that students came through in the polls and with the data and those surveys with positive comments, I would bet they got that positive feeling from the teachers themselves. They really are the heroes here. The The faculty, uh, you know, really took the challenge to heart. Um, those that could be in person uh, were in person. Uh, remember, we had so many different factors to weigh uh, state and city guidelines, uh, right. health concerns, uh, the, 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 the general avira in, in the community. And, and they really, you know, took it to heart and they stepped up and they delivered an outstanding education for our students. Uh, they, they really are the heroes here. They've, uh, they've done it remarkably well. And, and not only have they been the instructors, the teachers, but for many of them who were not as tech savvy, uh, they had to learn an entire new skill. Mm-hmm. And to, you know, I, I often say, you know, they were changing the tires on a car that was going 60 miles an hour. <laughs> right. and, and, and they did it so well and, and really with, uh, with an incredible attitude. So, you know, really uh, kudos to them. Rabbi Moshe Kripka with us, Executive Vice President at Turo. Um, when you spoke about and touched on the whole, you know, medical, physical therapy, etc. I mean, I, be, for the, for all those reasons that you know, in order to uh, get a proper education in those areas, you need to show up. You need to be in a lab, in a hospital, in a therapy session, etc. I assume that that the uh, that the instructors and the students and the administration have gone, you know, to whatever degree they can to make that happen. Would you say? That in all the really necessary departments, that in stu- or in person study, that in person learning is going on as best as possible. So where it was academically mandated, we found a way to do it. Wow. Uh, where we had the option, so that's where our surveys, our communication, our dialogue with faculty, with students came in, um, and you know it fluctuated because of when COVID, uh, you know, rates were high. So people were more concerned. And so we, we moved to, uh, uh, to a more remote, you know, delivery system. Mm-hmm. And over the summer, where, when the uh, COVID rates were lower, we were able to be more in person. And, and that's really one of the, uh, you know, that's part of the secret sauce, if you will, of, of, of Turo is our ability to be flexible and to be able to pivot uh, you know, almost at uh, you know at the drop of a dime. You know, plenty in our community and this audience specifically have a lot to do with um, uh, with Lander and with uh, students who are now studying in Israel, etc. What has the base medrash experience been like? Has it also fluctuated depending on the numbers and the science and the data and the regulations, or is Turo doing everything in its power and Lander doing everything in its power to keep the base medrash open? and to do so in as safe a manner as possible. So the Rebellion have been, um, you know, so giving of their time, uh, giving extra shiurim and being on the phone with Talmidim. Um, again, we've had to weigh so many different factors, you know, state and, uh, and local uh, regulations. Uh, I'll give you one anecdote. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've had 
ongoing testing. Right now we're testing uh, uh, on most of our campuses that have uh, student housing uh, every week. We're, we're doing random testing for COVID. So uh, a number of weeks ago, we had a, uh, we had a testing, and there were two chavrusas. Now, remember, in the base medrash, there's social distancing. Right. There's uh, a good six feet between chavrusas, which makes for an interesting learning. <laughs> uh, and to say that the, uh, that the, uh, the feeling in the base medrash hasn't been impacted by COVID, you know, you know, how can it not be if you can't sit next to your chavrusa and have that rizcha daraisa going back and forth? <laughs> so anyway, two chavrusas were in the base medrash, and they both were tested. One was positive. And one was negative. Hmm. So obviously the positive individual had to go into quarantine and, right. you know, had to wait out his, uh, his 10 days and, you know, with no symptoms. But his chavrusa, who was, you know, spending significant time, according to regulations, really had to go into quarantine. Right. And um, I got a call from this chavrusa who tested negative every day trying to give me a svara, trying to give me, you know, a platform by which he could get out of quarantine. Obviously, he couldn't because we have to follow uh, CDC and Board of Health guidelines. But the desire to be in the base vendors, that that was so refreshing. I finally said to him, you know, I want to put you up in front of, like, Talmidim everywhere to learn what it is to want to be in the base vendors and, and, and engage in their learning. So, uh, listen, we're all hoping that this will, uh, you know, end soon and that we could be back in the base matters full force. Amen. But the amount of limit HaTorah in the base matters as well as remotely has gone, you know, you know, unabated. It's it's at full force. Uh, the Rosh Hashiva, Rav Sachs, uh, and along with the Mashgiach and the Menal and all of the Rebbeim, they're doing what they can. To keep that strong feeling of Limeratara going. I don't know. That's what's keeping us uh, going. I don't know if you heard my uh, conversation with Ray Bamberger when he released his most recent book. It was on the air about two weeks ago, but I mean, he, he's the Mashkiach there at, uh, at Lander, and the way he was describing the attitude and the way people are, uh, are dealing with the situation was really heartwarming. And uh, and he, he, seems like, um, he seems like he's got his hand on the pulse of what's going on there. Uh, in the base medrash and in the yeshiva. So uh, kudos to him and to everybody who's working hard to keep things going the way they need to. Th- this current semester, which I assume has already begun, the spring semester, I-, I guess we could say in a in many ways more of the same, right? More of the same what you described, this hybrid learning and, uh, you know, paying careful attention to the numbers, the science, the regulations, etc. I mean, do, do you think this vaccine is going to um, is going to help things along quickly enough for this semester to be affected or or the vaccine and other things you're uh, you're you're using to uh, to plan for semesters uh, past this one so we have learned in the last 11 months that whatever planning we do we need to put an asterisk there and say well let's see what the facts on the ground are yeah. uh, if you would have asked me this question a month ago we would have given you a resounding yes Mm-hmm. Vaccine is being rolled out. Uh, there's great hope that people will be vaccinated. There'll be herd immunity that we'll be able to get back to normal. Uh, but in the last couple of weeks, we've seen that there is a supply shortage. Not everybody who wants the vaccine is able to get in in, in quick order. So we're we're hearing from health officials when they think that 
large quantities of the vaccine will be available. We actually, at one of our campuses, uh, together with one of the local health systems, will be vaccinating starting Thursday. Um, but there isn't enough vaccine yet to uh, properly vaccinate and protect the community at large. So we're taking it one step at a time. We take literally, Nachum, that's what we've learned, that, you know, you can't plan ahead. And, you know, we're all uh, we're all uh, really in the hands of the Rabona Shalom. We have to deal with the facts on the ground, and uh, and we have to do it on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So we're, we're gratified that we have more people in the dormitory at the yeshiva as well as Lambda College for Women. Uh, there are more people that are engaged in campus life and in the base medrash. Uh, we take that as a as a, a wonderful sign that you know we're starting to you know turn the corner, getting back to our you know regular routine. But we've got a long way to go. And um, you're led by somebody who, at least uh, the way he presents when he's on the show with us, seems like a really level-headed, calm, and uh, you know someone who who takes everything under consideration before making a decision that's going to affect thousands of students. That's of course your president. So you're you're right. The one above is important, but it's also important here, <laughs> down here, to be led by somebody who's you know making rational decisions. And it seems you have that. You know, Alan Kadish, uh, besides being a world class scientist and researcher, he's Ben Torah, right? And he uh, and he keeps the uh, you know the dual mission of of Turow very much at heart. Number one, uh, first and foremost, is to strengthen Yiddishkeit. You know, he inherited that from. His predecessor, the founder of Turo, Doctor Doctor Landa, the Chronel of Rachel, whose yard site, by the way, is this uh, this Matzah Shabbos. Oh wow! Um, and uh, and also our our second part of our mission is to serve humanity, and we do that in all of our programs. Uh, just to give you the sense of what a leader he was, uh, you know, almost a year ago when COVID was starting to just get into the you know public consciousness. Um, Dr. Kadish turned to the senior administration and said, we're doing a test next week. And this was the week of Purim, if you remember that mm-hmm. week. It was sure. you know, when everything started to melt down. Mm-hmm. And he said, next week we're going to do a test of our remote capabilities. And uh, you know, this was on a Tuesday, and he said, starting Sunday, we're going to give all of our classes remotely just in case. And in the back of his mind, obviously, he, he wanted to test the system. He wanted to prepare beforehand. He wanted to get everybody geared up, but not to panic them uh, that there's a, a pandemic on the way. So we, we started putting everything into effect and doing all the planning and getting all the technology lined up. And it was a considerable lift that most people, you know, said, why are we doing this? You know, but at the end, at the end of the day, on Sunday, when we had to flick that switch, we transitioned 3,000 separate classes from in-person education to remote learning, and it was done seamlessly. And we never got, we never went back, obviously, because that's when everything started, you know, getting a little crazy uh, yeah. with COVID. And uh, I don't think there was one course that missed a lecture in that entire transition. There were some institutions that were just shut down for a number of days trying to get uh, all the technology and personnel lined up and focused, he really was able. He really saw what was coming, and he keeps doing that, challenging his staff and and, and, and the student body to yeah. step up and to really uh, meet the challenge. You're right. We are very lucky. 
and look who uh, and look how um, how desperately uh, that uh, prediction or that system uh, went into place. The prediction came true. Purim was on a Tuesday, and by that by that Friday night, we were already out of our shuls community wide, not just specific neighborhoods, but community wide. We already had shut things down. Just days later. Uh, finally, Rabbi Kripka, this coming Sunday, I'm proud to say that um, uh, Turo College and the university system is going to be one of the sponsors of our Kosher Halftime Show. I'm sure with a very simple message and your uh, opportunity uh, as part of that broadcast to remind people why uh, Turo is such an important institution to our community. Obviously, as I always point out, it's an important institution internationally and nationally. And I met a I met a bank teller last week, not from our faith, who proudly told me that she had just graduated Turo. So, so it, it, this applies to a lot of different groups, but especially for our community and this audience listening. Uh, it just remind everybody why Turo is such a uh, a valuable resource and such an incredible uh, place for students to gravitate to. Well, thank you, Nachum. Thank you for your your kind words. I, I have to agree with you. Uh, we, we try to provide a superior education. We succeed in doing so. We, we, we are able to give our students something that will be with them for the rest of their lives, setting them up for success in their futures. So uh, thank you for your kind words, and uh, we're looking forward to your show on Sunday. Appreciate that very much. Oh, what a coincidence. Or by Lander's Yard site. Very interesting. Boy. Uh, I thank you for joining us, and the best regards to everybody at Turo, and uh, obviously any information that people need, and uh, students, parents, everybody out there in this audience, always consider what's going on at Turo, because they, it seems they have every base covered when it comes to education, and that's uh, Turo.edu, Turo.edu for information online. Rabbi Krupka, I thank you, and uh, continued success, and I know the semester just uh, started a few days ago, so continued Hatzlacha uh, to all the students and the uh, faculty. Have a great day, Nachum. Rabbi Moshe Krupka, he's Executive Vice President, Turo College and University System on a Tuesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Rabbi Moshe Krupka, Executive VP of the Turo College and University System. Rabbi Nelson Sherman is next, the General Editor at Arts Grow Masora. He joined us recently on JM in the AM. Here's my conversation on JM Rewind at the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, I want to remind you that the... Uh, Wonderful people at Art Scroll and I continue to encourage you to use promo code radio. They have a massive, massive sale going on right now, and we have a very, very special guest with us live via telephone who's going to join us in a moment. But let me first do the pitch. Let me tell you what's happening at Art Scroll during uh, this period of time until February the 10th. Between now and February the 10th, Art Scroll has everything under the category of Talmud and Mishnah at 30% off. We're talking about full sets. We're talking about pocket size. We're talking about travel size. We're talking about hardcover, softcover. Any category in the area of Talmud and Mishnah, Talmud, Mishnah, Ein Yaakov, Tosfos, the Art Scroll iPad, which is incredible, preloaded with everything, normally a $1,500 purchase, which is now available for $799.99, an amazing gift for those who you know who love to carry around the entire collection with them. Talmud, Tanakh, Mishnah, everything. It's all in a preloaded iPad, a fully functioning preloaded iPad, uh, in a beautiful leather case. So go to artscroll.com, take advantage of this sale between now and the 10th of February. 
Go to artscroll.com. Use promo code radio for your free shipping and more. Again, always use promo code radio at artscroll.com. With us live via telephone, the general editor at Artscroll Missora and somebody whose name is synonymous with Artscroll for the last four decades. And that's, of course, Rabbi Nussin Sherman. Rabbi Sherman, what an honor to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Oh, my honor and my pleasure. I appreciate that greatly. Uh, Rabbi Sherman, what if I would have told you four decades ago that there is the capability through a relatively small electronic unit to carry around the entire Talmud, Mishnah, Tanakh, and more in one device that one can easily hold anywhere during a walk, on the subway, leave on the seat of their car. If I would have told you this years ago, you would have said... I would have said you're crazy and you should you see your analyst. <laughs> so what are your thoughts as you now see people actually carrying around this device? I just, I have no words for it. It's, it's an amazing thing. What you can do with this device is just incredible. You, you're learning the Gemara. You want to see the Hebrew version, tap on it, you'll get the Hebrew. You want to see what the Rambam says on it, tap on it, you'll see the Rambam. You want to see what Rashi says in a different Masechta, it's there. It's amazing. Unbelievable. Even the sitter. The sitter has, on the days that you say Yalav right. appears on the sitter. Right. The other days, it's not there. Right. You don't need it. <laughs> it's unbelievable, I'll tell you. Talk about interactive. And those are some of the details that I should have mentioned, in fact, that you can click on these hyperlinks and get all these different commentaries and uh, and references, other areas of the Talmud, Sukkim and Tanakh, etc., etc., it's just remarkable, Rabbi Sherman. Could you could you take us back about a year? Um, we know that, um, and, and it's obvious to any observer of the Jewish world that the Siyum Shas, which is now basically thirteen months ago, uh, always has a massive effect on Torah study and specifically Talmud study in our worldwide community. Could you give me a specific observation about this one? How you saw or felt? Uh, the revolution that was going on during the period of the CMSHAS 13 months ago? Well, I can give you one small anecdote. But a friend of mine told me a few days ago, his uh, his son, he took his son to the CMSHAS, and the kid was thrilled, naturally. And he said, he said, Tati, did you make a CM? Um, <laughs> uh, well, uh, um, uh, no. Why not? He promised his son... Seven years from now, I'm going to be taking you to the Seum, and I will be one of the Messiahim, and he's kept up ever since. Boy, I'll tell you, so, so there are a variety of reasons why people hopped on the Dafyomi bandwagon. It might be pressure from the next generation, or it might be an interest in just learning more and more, or a combination of both. That's right. I remember the first CMHS that I went to was in, in Felt Forum. Wow. And... They took felt for him. People said, felt for him. You know, you have to get, you need uh, three or 4,000 people. You'll, you'll never get more than, uh, than 1,500. How could you take such a big arena? They filled it up. There was standing room only. Right. What was the first Daf Yomi shear that you remember? When was the first time you heard about somebody who actually, you know, at early in the morning, usually, you know, was gathering together in their shul to do dafyomi. Well, what's your earliest recollection of recollection of a dafyomi shear? Well, it wasn't quite a shear. My first recollection, I was learning in Beis Medrash 
which was the uh, the equivalent of uh, of Lakewood, the, right. the postgraduate yeshiva of Torah Vidas. Right. And there was one there was one chavrusa there was learning dafyami. So what are you doing, dafyami? What's dafyami? Most of us had never heard of it. You know, this is. Uh, this is 1957, 1958. We had never heard of Dafyomi. And here there's one Chabrusa learning Dafyomi. And today, probably 100,000 Chabrusas or more learning Dafyomi. And the different ways that it could be done by a telephone and obviously in person shiurim and so many people just carrying around a volume of uh, Art Scroll Talmud to make sure to get through the Dafyomi at some point. During the day, Rabbi Nussin Sherman is with us. Yes, Rabbi Sherman himself, general editor at Art Scroll. Uh, I do want to remind everybody: go to artscroll.com. Always use promo code radio. All Mishnah and Talmud, anything in that category is now uh, on sale at an insane thirty percent off. Rabbi Sherman, I need your impressions of of the Tosfos volume. I have actually seen you in situations where you suggested that certain things may not be able to be translated into English, that it would not be fair uh, to the original text to try to translate certain things. When it comes to Tosfos, some might make an argument that that could be, that that, you know, could be the case, that, that some of the Tosfos are so complicated and so difficult to transmit and to explain in a different language that, you know, maybe some of that would be true. Tell me about the effort to take Tosfos and to create a, an entire set eventually of uh, Tosfos' commentary on Talmud. Well, I th- I thought so too several years ago. I thought that Tosfos was beyond us, but uh, we have a, we have an amazing team that's working on it. Y- you you have to look at the at the volume, learn one or two Tosfos in that in in the in the Tosfos volume, and you'll see it can be done. It has been done. It's, it's right. an amazing thing. Yeah. They take apart the Tosfos. They they give you an introduction to the Tosfos. They explain the background of the kasha, where a different gemara is involved. They'll explain that gemara to you. They'll explain the teretz. Not just translating it. They'll explain it, and then at the end, they'll give you a summary of the tosis. When you go away from that tosis, you you feel that you've learned. Even if you're a talmud chacham, you'll feel that you learned tosis as you never have before. And why do I say that? Because we've heard from Russia yeshiva, who use that tosis to help them prepare. And they say that they've never seen anything like it. And it's funny because for how long did you have to endure the criticism, maybe that's the wrong word, or the observation, maybe that's a better word, uh, that, that it would not be the best idea in general to translate certain things into English. You want people to obviously uh, continue their pursuit of uh, studying uh, Talmud and Tosvos and many other things through the original sources, doing it on their own, etc., and now you have people who are not telling those out there to avoid the English Tosfos. You're telling people out there it might help them actually enhance their preparation for a shear with the English Tosfos. Times that's very flattering, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Let me give, let me tell you something. Let me give you an anecdote. Rabbi Yankov Kamenetsky, who was one of the um, once after a year or two, when he had people reading the first few art school books. And he decided that it was an important thing. And he became our primary advisor. We went to him whenever we had a difficulty to decide how to do something. Should we do something? How to do it? He once told us, he was speaking to Mayor Zlotowicz and I, 
And um, he said, well, when are you doing Shas? And we, we, we smiled. We, you know, we thought, we're going to do Shas. We'll do Shas. And he was very serious. And I remember he said, word for word, he said, Ihr kennt das Ton, und ihr darf das Ton, und ihr wett das Ton. He said, you can do it, and you should do it, and you will do it. And he said, if the Rabbani Shalom gives me the years, I'll write you a letter. Wow. Did not have the year. We started, we started doing it about six years after that conversation, which was a few years after his Petira. And, you know, when you have, you have somebody like Rudyankov Kamenevsky, who yeah. was the, the, the wise man of the generation, and he tells you that you can do something, and you should do it, and you will do it, and you start thinking, you know, maybe it can be done. Yeah. It, it wasn't just you and uh, Rabbi Zlotowitz and your colleagues going against the tide. You you likely would not have gone forward without the encouragement of someone like that. I mean, that's, you know... That's, you're, that's you're, true. And when, we were, and when we were decided to do it, we went around to Gedoyle Yisrael. We asked them their opinions, and they gave us letters. Rabbi Yashiv said to do it. Rabbi Shlomo Zalman said to do it. The American Rosh Yeshiva said to do it. And believe it or not, believe it or not, and I saw this with my own eyes, and we have a picture to prove it, Rebbe Liashev, when the Hebrew Shas came out, he gave us a letter, handwritten, and his secretary at that time, Rebbe Liashev, was not writing, was not writing letters. They would, uh, he would dictate something, and he would sign it. And his secretary said, I'll, I'll, I'll write a letter for you, and the Roshiva will sign it. And he said, no, I know the people. They'll say I didn't really write it. <laughs> he insisted on writing it in his own hand. And not only that, not only that, he used, he used to use the, our art school Hebrew Gemara to prepare for his shiurim, believe it or not. Uh, that, that is unbelievable. How long after English started did Hebrew start? So I would probably about ten years or so. Oh, it was that long? Rabbi Nussin Sherman is with us, general editor at Art Scroll Masora, of course, his name synonymous with Art Scroll. I'm reminding everybody that now until February the tenth, everything on the under the uh, Talmud and Mishnah category, Tosfos and Yaakov, everything in every type of format is uh, available at thirty percent off at artscroll.com. Use promo code radio and as we started this conversation with the iPad, a fully loaded iPad with everything, with Tanakh, with Talmud, with Mishnah, with everything, seven ninety nine ninety nine, usually a $1,500 purchase, suggesting that everybody use the opportunity to get that as a gift for somebody who you know would love to walk around with the entire Shas in the palm of their hands, an expression that was only an expression until recently. Rabbi Sherman, you know where we are. Our studio is... Um, just about a mile away from uh, from Masifta Tiferes Yerushalayim. Could you, from your perspective, I mean, we 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 have spoken on the air about uh, Rabbi Zlotowitz's relationship with uh, Rav David Feinstein, both of blessed memory. Um, could you give us uh, your perspective on the greatness of Rav David Feinstein, uh, especially this close to his passing? Rav David Feinstein was probably the most talented person in his generation in covering up his greatness. <laughs> wow. He was an incredibly great man. Um, somebody once told Reb Ruven, his brother, a Talmud told Reb Ruven, I heard, I heard that Reb David learned Shas a hundred times. Is that true? And Reb David was in, was in the room, and, and Reuven went over to him and said, David, 
somebody told me you learned 100, 100 shots 100 times. Is it true? And Rav David looked at him and he said yes, and he walked away. <laughs> he wouldn't lie. He wouldn't lie. He was very uncomfortable in telling the truth. Um, the, the effect or the uh, guidance that he gave to your efforts uh, was certainly noteworthy. It, it, do you remember anything specific where his greatness came into play when it came time for a certain publication or a question or a criticism that came up? Well, there were, there were times when he told us not to do something. Could you give us an example of that, or you're not allowed to say so publicly? No, I prefer, I prefer not to say it publicly. Okay. no problem. But well, he was... Uh, he, he was always available. I, you, you probably know, and I'm sure it's been mentioned on the air at least once or twice, that he and, and Red Mayer were so close, yeah. they spoke on the phone literally, without exaggeration, literally, every day. Every day they spoke on the phone together. And his guidance was incredible. He was... There's more than that. He was... He was when, you, when you asked him something, he was able to get to the crux of it immediately. Let me give you two examples. Sure. May I have time? Yes, please. <laughs> Let me give you two examples. One of my sons runs a girls' school in Borough Park. They needed more classroom space. They bought the building next door, and they converted it. And he wanted to use the backyard as a playground for the girls. Right. But there was a fruit tree. Not allowed to cut down a fruit tree. He called her David. My, my son is a stolen Echosid, and the stolen Rebbe says, said that Reb David was the place of Kadar. Any serious question should go to Reb David. Wow. My son called Reb David, and in the course of a conversation, he mentioned that for, for the last few years, it hasn't been producing any fruit. And Reb David said, word for word, if it doesn't give fruit, it's not a fruit tree. <laughs> yep. How many people can you think of who would say something <laughs> like that? Yep, brilliant. And I have a I have a good friend who's uh, very very well well to do, very successful in real estate. He does deals in tens of millions and sometimes uh, hundreds of millions. And a lot of times there are shivas there. Ribbis, a building uh, is open on Shabbos. What do you do at Hilchah Shabbos? Right. And he had rabbanim that he went to, and he told me. Somebody once told him, go to Reb David Feinstein. Reb David Feinstein? Yeah, go to Reb David Feinstein. He told me he went to Reb David with a very complicated Shiloh. He, says, he said, before I was halfway through explaining it to him, he understood it better than I did. And he told me how to deal with it. Unbelievable. Was, there wasn't an area of life that he, didn't, uh, he wasn't able to, uh, to figure out and analyze very, very quickly. Uh, he was a, he was an expert in medical uh, in medical matters. Doctors consulted him. Unbelievable. Um, I assume. I mean, I have to assume that somebody's working on his biography on behalf of the people at Art Scroll. That's true. And uh, I, I I would guess that that hopefully by the first yard site we'll have that. I think so. It's a good good guess. I'm I'm rather confident that we will have it. Yeah, I can only imagine how many great stories will be in that. Uh, Rabbi Nussin Sherman, general editor at Art Scroll. You know what's going on, folks. It's very simple. Art Scroll has uh, has gone nuts. They've <laughs> they've taken thirty percent off of everything. Art Scroll 
Talmud Mishnah Tanah, excuse me, Talmud Mishnah uh, related. Uh, Ein Yaakov, it's all there. Um, when it comes to the iPad, that I remind you has all of the Talmud Mishnah Tanakh, Siddur, everything. And uh, literally everything can be in the palm of your hand. Rabbi Sherman, remember when that was an expression? The whole world in the palm of your hand? Remember that was an expression? Now we literally could find somebody. You give us 22 minutes, we'll give you the world. (laughs) You give us 799, and we'll give you Kalatara Which is unbelievable. But, you know, when you're living through it, whoever sees the nace, right? Whoever sees the miraculousness of it when you're living through it. (laughs) Sometimes you have to step back and realize how incredible an accomplishment it is. Always uh, enjoy our conversations. Thank you so much for joining us. Malcolm, can I mention one more thing that's not on the agenda? Sure. Please. Just the other day, day, Rabshia Tversky was nifter, Rabbi Dr. Abraham Joshua Tversky. Yep. His his, his tear was overshadowed because on the same day, David Soloveitchik and Rabbi Yitzchak Shiner were nifter. Right. Rabbi Tversky was a very, very great man. Very great man. He was one of, in his field of psychiatry. He's one of the leading psychiatrists in the country in the field of of, um, of substance abuse. He wrote probably over thirty art school books. Right. And I would I would urge people if you want to be inspired, if you want to learn a lot about yourself and about Hasidic history and the great Admirim, check out Rabbi Tversky's books. I um. I ha- because of Art Scroll, I had the privilege of speaking with him on the air on multiple occasions because of the books that he wrote, as you just indicated. And did, it, he was the one, I, I saw other people were quoting this uh, over the last couple of days since his passing. He was the one who said, I've basically written one book, but... Uh, you the know. same book, 38 times. Right. <laughs> which is amazing because because if that's the case, if so many of them are about self-esteem, if someone goes through all of them, hopefully it'll really, really increase their self-esteem. But yes, And another thing, Rabbi Sherman, and this I'm sure you know, uh, and this we knew even before his passing, the number of people from the different, from the variety of angles in the Jewish world and the non-Jewish world that he helped with real concrete assistance is just immeasurable. It's incredible how many people out there, how many human beings, and of course so many from our community, that he was there to save their lives, literally. It has to be in the tens of thousands. Yeah, just amazing. Do you know what his his Tavo was, among other things? Yeah, in fact, I think I prepared properly for this because uh, Shlomo Katz has uh, Hoshia Samecha recorded, which we're about to play. Are you referring to the funeral itself? That's right. Yeah, we're going to explain that and play that right now. I thank you so much for remembering him with us, and thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been a pleasure, Nachum. It always is. I appreciate that. Rabbi Nussin Sherman, general editor at Art Scroll. It's very simple. Rabbi Dr. Twersky said that uh, what he would he would he didn't want eulogies at the funeral. He uh, asked that um, as he was being malava, as he was being escorted to his final resting place. He asked that uh, a song that he wrote, a Hasidic nigan, we'll call it. I'm sure it was Hasidic inspired. A Hasidic Nigan that he wrote, Hoshia Samacha, he asked that that be what plays as he is approaching his final resting place. This is Shlomo Katz, who recorded the song after the passing of Rabbi Dr. Tversky, specifically in his memory. <laughs> Oh, I love. 
Shlomo Katz with a special recording of Hoshia Samecha after the passing of Rabbi Dr. Uh, Tversky. Unbelievable. That was my conversation with Rabbi Nussin Sherman. Up next, Mark Rothenberg of the Rothenberg Law Firm presenting sponsors of this year's Kosher Halftime Show. Mark Rothenberg next on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Wednesday morning broadcast here at JM and the AM. Well, Mark Rothenberg is with us live via telephone. I told him that uh, this is going to be one of the easiest conversations ever because uh, we've asked him on just so we could say thank you. Simple as that, as he represents the Rothenberg family and everybody at InjuryLawyer.com. As you know, the Rothenberg family and the um, Rothenberg law firm is uh, sponsoring yet again and presenting our Kosher Halftime Show. It's our eighth consecutive Kosher Halftime Show, this time featuring eighth day. I want to thank all of our sponsors including the uh, commercial sponsors, and uh, that includes uh, Kosher.com and Turo and Lander Colleges, Hask, a time for Music 34, SayMazeltov.com, Steinreich Communications, and, of course, a big thank you to our presenting sponsor, the Rothenberg Law Firm. Mark Rothenberg, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Pleasure to be on. How are you, Nachum? Baruch Hashem, the whole country. The whole country is going to be concentrating on Kansas City and Tampa Bay, and all we're going to be concentrating on is the Great Kosher Halftime Show. How do you like that, huh? Love it. Love <laughs> it. I appreciate that. Well, you know the purpose of this, Mark, and I think it's one of the reasons, frankly, that uh, your firm and family have been attracted to it. Uh, we, we are making a statement. We're making a statement that the halftime show that goes on and that hundreds of millions of people watch has a certain flavor to it. Not always the most family-friendly flavor. So we have created an alternative for people to enjoy, whether it's during the game or any time after the game or weeks after the game. We've created something. We've made a statement that we need to have something that has a bit more of family values in it. So I thank you and your family and your firm for helping us make this statement this year and every year. You're very welcome. Uh, how have things been? I mean, I can only imagine knowing where your offices are, literally smack in the middle of Manhattan, I would imagine that for those who have ventured into the firm over the last 11 months, it's been a much different Manhattan experience. Is that what you would tell us? 
Well, if you're focusing on the Manhattan one, that 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 is true. I mean, we have, we've got five other oh, offices in different places. Good but, point. Right. You know, talking about the the Manhattan in particular, right. you know, obviously we're we're Midtown, we're 34th and 7th, and it's just been uh, you know that area you know has uh, it's, it's desolate. You know, a lot of a lot of homeless and uh, yeah. But we, in terms of you know working, you know, we've been fully remote. Um, even you know pre-COVID, so for us we didn't miss a beat, and thank God we've been we've been busier than ever. So a, um, over the last so uh, a, year, so a very small percentage of people need to go into any of the offices at this point. I mean, we have staff that is in every one of our offices, but right. you know we rotate them around. We don't want to have you know just for you know the COVID reasons, we don't have everybody oh, yeah. in there on the same on the same day. I get that. So without missing a beat, which is uh, typical of your firm, I mean, has has. The legal life or the business life been any different? Or if one would look at the stuff you guys are working on today, it's essentially the same as the early part of 2020. Well, the, the only difference is that we there's obviously there's no trials right now. Right. You know, as far as discovery goes in all of our cases, because we do heavy you know personal injury litigation, that that has continued um, you know throughout. Um, court appearances have continued you know remotely. Um, depositions, uh, you know mediations, you know nothing nothing has has stopped. Uh, and like I said, we're you know we're busier than ever. But obviously, the the end game on on our, our you know our large cases is is, is the trial, and that uh, who knows when there's going to be another uh, you know trial. And but nobody we're, hopefully we're getting there. And nobody even guesses, right? Like no one even conjectures that uh, we're assuming there'll be trials. I don't know during this summer or at any point during 2021. I mean, there's talk of it, you know, and they're trying to push, you know, doing some virtual trials, but uh, that's something we we prefer to stay away from. Wow, unbelievable. Uh, well, as I said, a big thank you to you. Um, the Rothenberg Law Firm, in addition to uh, all the great work they do for their clients, take a special interest when there's a special project in the Jewish world that they could help bring to everybody. And it's not just the Kosher Halftime Show. I have to thank you for the the annual, and boy, do I hope we could use that expression again soon, <laughs> the annual Celebrate Israel parade coverage that we do. I have to thank you for the Dubai trip that we just did back in December. And, of course, you guys were one of the sponsors of that journey, which made a tremendous impression on our listenership and a lot of people in this part of the world. And uh, just in general, every time there seems to be a special project that's meaningful to the Jewish world, you guys are out there, not just for us, but for so many others. So a, just a very, very big thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm and to you, Mark, and your uh, family and colleagues. And, uh, uh, and all I could say is uh, enjoy the show on Sunday. I think, you'll, uh, I think you'll find it a lot better than the regular halftime show. <laughs> That, that, that for sure. So uh, th- thank you, and it's a pleasure to, you know, be, to work with you guys. I you know, greatly appreciate it. We'll continue to do this for many, many more years. Amen, and thank you so much. Mark Rothenberg, everybody. Injurylawyer.com is the website, uh, but their family is way just beyond business when it comes to our community and special projects and anything they could do in the world of, uh, of Torah and community. They're always there. So a big thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm uh, for all that they've done. You heard the list that I just mentioned. Uh, but especially for the presenting sponsorship of Kosher Halftime Show number 8, starring 8th Day this coming Sunday. I saw the final video that 8th Day did for us. Boy, it's rocking. It is rocking. Those of you who – and by the way, it's a live performance. It's a live perf- – I don't mean live, meaning they're doing it literally during halftime. It's a live performance. That is, n- It's not like they're lip-syncing a, a track. That, that is a live performance that they did especially for us – uh, in light of the theme um, that we um, that we designated for this year's Kosher Halftime Show, which will be obvious to everybody, it's a theme that you could only do this year, I hope. God forbid it should be a theme we could do again. <laughs> but you'll see what I mean when that uh, becomes available to everybody. So again, a big thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm, 
injurylawyer.com. JM in the AM at 28 minutes after 8 o'clock as we continue on this Wednesday. That was my conversation with Mark Rothenberg of the Rothenberg Law Firm. Mrs. Adina Stillerman of Partners in Torah is next up. They have an amazing brand new initiative. Here's Mrs. Adina Stillerman of uh, Partners in Torah on JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. You know, the other day we were uh, we were talking about this brand new initiative from Partners in Torah. And um, I mean, Partners in Torah, I think people know because they've listened to me for the last 20, 30 years. You know that I think it's remarkable uh, what they do. And they've had a couple of uh, unique initiatives recently, including the Shabbos one that we spent a lot of time talking about. And then uh, we were told they have a new initiative and we should start announcing it. And sure enough, of course, partnersintorah.org slash happiness dash mentor is this new initiative called a three-week happiness challenge. And then I started looking at it as we were announcing it on the air. And I said, we got to get somebody on the air to talk about this. It's such a cool initiative. It's such a perfect time of year for it. People are hopefully coming out of the whole COVID situation slowly, maybe, but finally we're going to get back to normal life at some point. People need to be more happy. Um, so I said it just works out to be a perfect initiative for for now. And uh, sure enough, uh, Partners in Torah provided for us a wonderful guest, and that's Adina Stillerman, who's with us live via telephone, senior educator for Partners in Torah. And Adina Stillerman, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thanks for having me. Why a three-week happiness challenge? That's a great question. Um, I think the the happiness challenge is a plan words in multiple levels. You have like the ice bucket challenge and different challenges that <laughs> would go around social media. Good point. But you know, to challenge ourselves to happiness is a challenge. It's um, we are faced with so much today. We're faced with economic strains medical scares or faced with political strife. Um, and I, I keep thinking about my Zadie, who was a survivor, who went through so much in his life, and somehow he was able to always climb out of it and put a smile on his face and be able to be there for his family emotionally and have an amazing perspective no matter what he went through. And so I think that when we say, that we're supposed to somehow, like almost Simcha's on sale now, we should grab it while it's you know, while it's ready and on the cells, if we have some type of access to it that's somehow easier this month, let's tap into that energy and for three weeks partner up with someone across the world, quite possibly, and see if we could work, help each other work on happiness. And, you know, Partners in Torah, obviously, uh, partners unique uh, relationships together, usually people with more of a Jewish background and um, with people who have less of a Jewish education so that it's not just a learning experience, but it's a giving experience. You know, Adina, some of the people listening right now are going to say to themselves, what? There's a Jewish take on happiness? I didn't even realize that happiness seeped its way into our tradition, frankly. <laughs> I know. We thought we were just about fetching and Jewish guilt, right? <laughs> exactly. So people, that's one of the reasons. I mean, and it's all about happiness. I mean, what you said is so smart. It's all about happiness. It is all about attitude. Um, uh, what's the one that, um, uh, what is, what does Dennis Prager always say? Happiness is a choice. Well, we have yeah. a choice and, and we, and we, we don't even have to, we don't have to turn to today's modern commentators. We know what if Hashem besimcha means, and we know what we're told about serving God in happiness. So all it can do is enhance someone's Judaism. If they take the happiness challenge and get through the happiness challenge. Now, is, is this similar to what happened with the, with the Shabbos theme a couple of months back where people will be uh, given materials, will be able to watch videos. How is it going to work this time around? You're totally set up for success. It's 30 minutes for three weeks, so 30 minutes just once a week, 
um, and you're given the material to learn. You're given other videos to watch as supplementary material, but you basically just have to show up with a smile and be ready to learn and give. There's there's no preparation needed, and we always say that happiness. You know, you, uh, money can't buy you happiness, so this program is free. Um, <laughs> you can't make it any easier than this, that's for sure. And you're looking for mentors, students, or both? So it's interesting because as of yesterday, we had close to 1,000 students that had signed up and very few men, like 300 mentors, and then we sent it around. And Baruch Hashem, we were able to get enormous amount of mentors as well. So now we're looking for students and mentors, wow. but we expect a steady flow of those students coming in through our advertising, and you are going, and this show is going to bring in more mentors. That's as what, we speak, I bet you people are signing up. Well, that's what I'm hoping, and frankly, uh, there are people out there who would be amazing mentors, and frankly, I think the majority of this audience would be amazing mentors, but they're probably hesitating to do so. Adina Stellerman, join me in convincing them that this is a really easy, relatively, and cool idea to undertake. Well, I'll tell you the number one feedback that we get from our mentors, by far. And if I if I had a screen that I could show you, I would just put up all of the same, and it sounds exactly the same, this feedback. Our number one response when people sign up to be mentors is I joined in order to be able to give to someone else. In the end, I got so much more in return. That's it. Not to say that you should join for selfish reasons, but it is. <laughs> there's a sweetness when you start to learn and you give to someone else. There's like a boomerang effect or you walk around feeling like no, you know, a happier person. Like you really are making a difference to the world and you're needed. And you, you usually make a very good friend for life. We have yeah. people who've been learning for 20, 30 years. No um, and I think what, what's important to realize is that our goal in this life is to feel needed and be needed. Because Sparkle put us in this world to be needed by others. I mean, there'll be people years from now who they'll ask how to get involved in Partners in Torah, and they'll cite happiness. They'll say it was all because of this attraction to be happier and to take the happiness challenge and to help someone else, you know, uh, learn more about their tradition through this concept of happiness. All you need, folks, is to pull the trigger. All you need is to just sign up. All you need to do is register. If you go to the website, partnersintorah.org, again, if you go to the website, partnersintorah.org slash happiness dash mentor. Partnersintorah.org slash happiness-mentor. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, happiness-mentor. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, if you just scroll down a drop, you will see a tab that says, I want to take the happiness challenge. They set you up. You have an amazing time with a partner, a student, uh, exploring this incredible topic of happiness and its relationship to the tradition and heritage of the Jewish people. And then who knows? You might be in a situation where you're literally helping someone continue their commitment to our tradition and heritage for years to come. But we'll, we're not going to worry about the years right now. Adina Stillerman and I. Three weeks. Do, exactly. We just want a three-week commitment of 30 minutes for each of those weeks. Become a mentor connect with someone, learn with someone, and grow with them and help them grow in our tradition and heritage. That's what Partners in Torah is all about, and it all starts with just making the commitment. And again, all you have to do is click on that on that uh, link that says, I want to take the happiness challenge. The address is partnersintorah.org slash happiness-mentor. If you're somebody who insists on speaking to somebody, you can call their office at 1-800-STUDY-42, 1-800-STUDY, the number 4 and then the number two, Adina Stillerman. Aside from convincing everybody to be happy, is there anything else you'd like to add this morning? Oh my goodness, um, I I'll add, I'll add a joke. How's that? Yeah, please make us happy and Once laugh. Once we're talking about happiness, right? <laughs> Why did the chicken cross the road? The answer because is hap because happiness is always on the other side. Wow.
I like that. So welcome, welcome to the other side um, through this initiative. How deep that was. I may repeat mm-hmm. I may repeat that a few times today, frankly. Partnersintorah.org slash happiness dash mentor. If you're listening to this show, as Rabbi Gwertz has said to me a million times over the last 20 years, if you're listening to this show, chances are you're going to be a great mentor, even if you think you're not. you got to take our word for it, everybody, and you'll see what I mean once you sign up. Partnersintorah.org slash happiness Dash mentor Adina Stillerman is senior educator at Partners in Torah. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad we got you on to talk about this great initiative. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. And a very happy Adar and a very happy life in general to everybody. Thursday morning broadcast, JM and the AM. Check it out, everyone. Partnersintorah.org slash happiness dash mentor. I'm telling you. And I know that there are people in this audience that have heard me speak about Partners in Torah for decades who every time say to themselves, I really should do this and have not done it. Do it now. Do it now. You'll be so happy. Hey, happy. That's what it's all about. You'll be happy. Dovi Shapiro, he's next. You're listening to JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Mrs. Adina Stillerman from Partners in Torah. Plenty more coming up. Thanks so much for listening into JM Rewind. Great programming continues here at the Nahum Siegel Network.